Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And hello once again, this is Coach Chuck Creasy. It's another week of American tennis, and we are glad, folks, to be back on a regular schedule. I know it's been up and down the whole time during the uh, spring season. That's just the way it goes with coaches, though. But I'm locked in, ready to go. And, folks, you know that this is the first summer since 1972. Gosh, I don't want to have to do my arithmetic there. But that's a bunch of years in a row, like 47, I believe, first summer that I do not have a tennis camp to do. And, uh, my, oh, my, oh, my, I, I miss it, but, oh, my golly, could I tell some stories on this show, and, uh, oh, my golly, I've seen about all of it. The, the toughest thing, if you do tennis camps, so sleepover camps, whoa, sending your kids to sleepover camps, too, you better make sure that that person running it is there all the time, and they stay in the dorms, and they have great people around, because, Man, oh, man, that's a, that's a tough one when you take care of other people's children. So I've got that off of me, and I'm going to be doing a radio program plus recruiting plus freelancing plus doing a lot of different things, writing. I've got another daggone book that I'm going to be working on, and I'm excited about that. So anyhow, that's a few, a few things coming up. But, folks, uh, this is year, gosh, after June, June 12, it will be – Year six completed, we will be in our seventh year already of American tennis. And our job every uh, week when I come to you on the uh, Yellow Ball Network is, folks, we're all in this. Stand up, speak out, do the things you need to do, help other people around you, uh, believe in the law of reciprocity, and we'll come back to you in the law of abundance. There's enough to go around for everybody, but we need the the compounding centrifugal force of many people working together to get things done. We need all of you. Stand up, speak out when things aren't wrong, right. Uh, we've got a lot of things going on. And I, today, I, I've got a great, great program. We've got a great program for you today. You're going to learn a whole bunch about what's going on in the world of sports and youth sports in, in America um, and then also what, how that relates to the sports industry and how the marketing people have sort of come in and I don't want to say run rough shot over everything, but I, you've heard me say so many times it's always the battle between education and entertainment. So we're going to be talking about tennis as a sport, tennis as the marketing participation entity that many people look at it as. But uh, we've got the perfect person in here today, uh, Bobby Verdun. And um, Bobby, uh, Bobby, I think you're on the program right now. How you doing, man? 
Great, Coach. Great to be here with you. Great, great. Well, welcome. I'm glad I got you there. But Bobby Renan, you've been a basketball coach, tennis coach, an athlete, tennis, basketball. You've coached at two different colleges over the last 30 years. You've coached men's teams, women's teams. You've been in managed in the management uh, industry, and you're man- you've got you've had, I think, two or three of your own companies already. But you are you basically tell me if I put it this right. You basically find you correct make efficiency systems with the people and the situation you put them in to help them run uh, run well and get to a productive state. Well, that just uh, of course. You are you were one of the few people out there that would understand the balance that we have to have between the educational process of a sport and also the entertainment aspect of the sport. And and I'm going to cut you loose here in a second to talk about it, but I get frustrated and I've talked a lot about it. I just absolutely hate uh, what they're doing to some of the sports, NBA, I won't watch it anymore, even though I grew up in Indiana. I absolutely hate the way they've marketed the players, more important than the game, the bastardization of the game where it's just running. They've got to do something to bring the artistic part back in. It's more athletic than it is basketball. Um, baseball, they're talking about the balls being juiced now maybe, that uh, all these home runs, the marketing people might be juicing the ball so that they hit home runs. They they don't want to. They think that people don't enjoy those duels between the pitcher and the batter. In tennis, they are bastardizing the game like nobody's business. I don't. They and and Bobby, I believe there is a deep state out there that has an agenda to try to make it shorter so that it's more profitable for marketing people, but also, unfortunately, the gambling industry. You know, tennis is the second most gambled on sport in the world because there's so many gambling opportunities. There's 127 gambling opportunities of the 128 professional draw. If you think about that multiplied towards the many, many tournaments, we had over 60,000 they said gambling opportunities last year alone in the sport of tennis. So they want it shorter. They want it streamlined. They don't want the same people winning all the time, Federer and Nadal and these guys. They, that's not good for the house. So what they're doing is they're bastardizing it because there's more payoff. So the last thing, Bobby, the reason you're here, I've got you're one of the few people in the United States that I think is so well-versed as a coach, as an educator, but also you see the marketing side. I've got energy, vision, a leader. Bobby, I, I, uh, I, would, I would like, if we could, to start out a few minutes and you could sort of talk about your background and where you're coming to from this. I'd like to, for this to be a great educational program today. Always entertaining, always entertaining, but a good program. <laughs> Um, to so people can sort of see where we're going with American tennis. As a coach, Bobby, I I love the sport. I don't want it to be an after-school activity in the high school. I don't want to see it marketed to where it looks like basketball. My gosh, Bobby, I grew up in Indiana playing Hoosier basketball. And I, I grew up and I got to play one year in college. I love basketball, but I don't even watch the daggone March Madness anymore because it's been marketing marketed to a place we don't even recognize it. Tennis is 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 if we do that with tennis, I, if we lose the artistic part of tennis, we're we're done. So could you give a little bit hmm. on your background, Bobby, and then I'm going to cut you loose here to sort of give your thoughts. I'll be taking notes and we'll go from there. But folks, Bobby, we're done, and I, Bobby, you're up in Boston now. So thanks very much for being on the program. Take it away there. Wow, thanks, Coach. It's it's a real pleasure to be here with you, um, and I agree with so much of what you're saying. Um, my my journey began. I'm I'm probably the worst athlete I know. Uh, I just love to compete. Always have. I played one on one basketball I, with you. No, no, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, man. Hey, you <laughs> hung with me. 
and I, I'm an Indiana guy. You hung with me, so don't this is start true. out being so humble. Folks, this guy oh. can play ball. The three-pointer was well, not in. I don't think it was, but the, the guy can play ball. Okay, let's go there. <laughs> no, I Sorry, appreciate I that, but that. Uh, you didn't post me up. That was the other part of that of that agreement when we play, thank God. But I I love to compete, always have, whether it's in sports or business or walk into the train station. It's just in my blood. And I found that sports was the perfect – athletics was the perfect outlet for me. Um, if I could get it out of my system before school, I could concentrate in school all day, just enough to get me back out onto the field and, and go compete. And you know, I was fortunate in high school – to play for some some very good coaches, which allowed me to continue my journey in college, uh, narrowed it down to tennis and basketball, uh, two very different sports, two very different experiences. And then when I got out of school, I attempted to play tennis, uh, quickly realized that if you're going to play at the next level, you, you really have had to play just tennis for a lot longer than I did and realized that quickly and got into the next best thing, which was coaching trying to give younger kids coming up who are far more talented than I am an opportunity at a different perspective on sports and how to play and how to approach the game. And um, I, I fell in love with coaching. I wound up coaching at Franklin Pierce College. It's now Franklin Pierce University up in New Hampshire. We had a lot of success there. At, at both, I coached both men's tennis and men's basketball up there. And then um, – I got out of coaching. I, I actually had some opportunities to to get involved with some professional teams, um, the Sixers and some other teams. But, you know, when you get to that level, and you know this, Coach, it becomes work first, family second. And we were just at a point where we were starting a family, and I got out of it for a while, got involved in what I do now, which is the business side of athletics. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot between the difference between the business side of sports, the entertainment side of sports, as you would say, and of course the the uh, you know the actual playing of sports. And we were very lucky. I, I partnered with some very smart people, people a lot smarter than me, taught me a lot, and um, always tried not to be the smartest person in the room, which isn't very hard for me. But I learned such great things from people, including yourself. We spent some time at College Park together. And um, I got into doing some consulting. And what I like about what I do, I work primarily with independent owners of facilities. I also work with universities. Anything that's active, anything that has wellness involved with it or athletics involved with it, recreation centers, recreation places and towns. And we try to create a unique factor with each entity and give them something that people can't find anywhere else. And I think that's the beauty of what I do because every place is different. I work with tennis clubs. I work with a, a gentleman that's trying to build a facility shaped as a triangle, believe it or not, as a pyramid. And I think he's actually going to do it. Um, I'm working with a, a, a number of gyms, a number of recreation centers. And as much as they are different, there's a lot of similarities involved with them as well. And then about two and a half years ago, I uh, – I, I live up here near Salem State University, and I got involved um, with the men's basketball team there. They asked if I would come in and and uh, be an assistant with the team, and I had a great time. Met some great kids. Such a great institution. And uh, last year, I was asked to take over the women's program, so I started coaching women for the first time. What a great experience! Just a completely different experience altogether. Uh, I think it's it's made me a better person and a better coach, and very exciting things going on there. And in the spring, I uh, was asked to help out with the men's tennis team. So I'm seeing men's tennis at the Division three level, uh, a, a very good team, great bunch of kids, have a chance to get to the NCAAs this year. And just to be involved with that and to be able to contribute anywhere I can is uh, is rewarding. And And that's where we're at. Well, D3, for sure, I might be the most pure form of tennis out there, and very quickly why it has not been diluted, polluted, nor prostituted. We have great experiences playing against D3 teams. Uh, you have kids um, 
American-made usually. They come to college. A lot of them, most of them pay their own way. Some of them get academic scholarships. The coaches are doing things as we did for many years uh, for the educational part of it. Now, they want to win, and there's some darn good players. But it, it is not a um, prefabricated hokey-pokey deal that we have done in D1 with, with the abbreviated scoring, stopping matches before they're completed, uh, and, and all of those things, the no-add, the try to get it over with, hey, how many people are we putting in the stands? And it, it's, it's a very, very good atmosphere, folks. So, Bobby, I agree with you there. Do you have anything real quick you could say about D3, why it's something that parents should look to? Or, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, really it might be the most pure thing out there right now in, in uh, college tennis. Yeah, I I will tell you, Coach, it's it's an absolute blessing to be part of where I'm at. You know, I for years I had the magic potion in my hand, the scholarship, right? You'd walk in and, you know, that's what they're looking for, and it became a bidding war a lot of times for kids, which I was never comfortable with because it, it really took away from the ultimate reason why we do what we do. At this level, you don't have that magic wand. You go in and you sell the program, you sell the experience, and most importantly, you sell the culture of what you're doing. And that's what these kids come for. You know, it's, I think we've spoken before. The education of a, of a student athlete goes beyond what happens in the classroom. You know, it's what happens outside the classroom, not just Absolutely. on the athletic field, but in the dorms. And I just can't say enough about what I'm getting as a coach at Salem, but also what I'm seeing these kids graduate with and the substance that they get from the beginning through what they're, what they're going through is as rewarding to me as I hopefully am being able to share with them. You know, Bobby, I, um, I couldn't agree with you more. The culture of it is right. It's something that people can aspire to. I just want to tell parents out there, uh, you're going through the thing now with your youngster playing junior tennis. You're saying, look, I'm spending thousands of dollars, and all I hear is that all the international players are getting all the scholarships. Like, for example, Bobby, we're like at 70% of the scholarship money now is going to uh, – international students and no one has anything against uh, international students but I don't think it was cut out to be 70% of our scholarship money and uh, so parents are saying what the heck should I really be in tennis and last week we had coach Randy Blumadon on the program coach Dave Fosnod and they were talking about parents complaining about the exorbitant cost of going in hotels are being booked in these communities. They're big, big deals to, to sell hotel rooms. And uh, the USTA stretches out three nights in the hotel. They play no ad scoring. They don't play matches. To, it's just they abbreviate everything, and the kids are not getting the reps that they need that are going to take them down the line anyway. So I, I agree with you with uh, D3 tennis. But let me ask you this question as we go. Okay, let me let me give you some statistics here. All right. In the sport, the sport of, let's see where we're falling back here. In the sport of tennis, we have not had a champion at USO, at the men's side since 2002. Now, that's 17 years times four grand slams. That's about 60. Is that correct? 68. 68 tries, no USA champion, all right? Now, of course, we have Isner, Stevie Johnson, and a couple other players that are, are doing well. Now, in the mid-'80s, we had up to 41 American-made players, American-born and American players that went to college and were in the top 100 for whatever. We'll see how it pans out. You know, Ohio State, that guy up there is doing a pretty darn good job training USA players. He works those kids hard. Ty Tucker, I'm going to throw a, a compliment out there, but but he's got a player, his number one player, looks like he might be the real deal. 
and I'm not supposed to talk with college names here, I guess, on this program, but the bottom line, he's doing a really good job training. The guy, Josh Goffey at the University of South Carolina, can't say enough about him. He's one of the, my former guys at Clemson. He's doing a wonderful job training. I think uh, I love the job, Brian. Uh, <coughs> uh, coach down in Florida is is doing, excuse me, uh, he is, uh, Brian is uh, just such a good man, such a good coach, and uh and people, uh, golly, uh, the women coach um, at at Vanderbilt, you know, Jeff, he's doing such a great job. And um, there, there's a lot of good coaches out there that are still training players and doing a good job for American tennis. But the fact is we haven't had any champions in a long time. Now, um, I have always argued that the reason tennis – fades and is in and out is that we have always marketed maybe rightfully say it maybe wrongfully so we've we've marketed the athletes instead of the event you know when tiger woods dropped out the first time and he did wasn't doing well well jordan spieth and and uh <coughs> you know daniel berger and and all these players that got good watching tiger woods they just picked up the game but in tennis, it sort it. We really do need some Americans that pop up there, so we have no champions. The statistic on something that really bothers me, uh, Bobby, is that we have 400,000 high school players that are signed up to play high school tennis, which should be the breeding ground, the training ground, the avenue, the springboard to being very, very good in every other sport. But in tennis, out of those 400,000, only 26,000 play tournaments. That's 7%. 7 out of 100 play tournaments. Hmm. And as far as old people, they used to play tennis. Now they play this pickleball thing, which to me is sacrilege. <laughs> so I, I, uh, hmm. The day I ever go on, and, and the point is, is we have not done a good job at understanding why the old people have gravitated to that. The USTA is jumping on trying to get some pickleball stuff going. You know, they'll try to uh, go at it the wrong way. But our sport, uh, the symmetry was messed up with the technology. They just need to understand that. They had old, they had wood rackets and old rackets for old people that would still be playing, but it's just too fast with the high-tech rackets. We have nothing for players 20 to 35, Bobby, nothing after they play college. They're dead on the vine. There's nothing there. Junior tennis. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Navigating through junior tennis, I'd, I'd have an easier time on the internet, and I don't know the internet that well. You know, booking a trip to Timbuktu using ten different airlines and to sign up for a local tournament. Now I do not. Parents ask me, "What's this? What's that?" I say, "I don't know the difference between L2, L3, L1, Blue Group, Red Group." And the USTA has taken all the personality and passion out of there. Small town USA, we've dropped the ball. And so the point being with all that, there's a corrosion, right? There's a corrosion in that. Could you talk a little bit about that? I've got a few ideas that I'd like to run by you, but could you talk about the phenomena, about what you've seen about the sport of tennis versus the maybe the activity of tennis and why people and marketing people have gotten that messed up. That's a long question. Yeah. But. No, it's, it's, uh, I think it starts with relevancy. You know, when you talk about pulling the game back to, uh, to create advertising opportunities, making the game shorter. I mean, is there anything more exciting than watching a college tennis match come down to the final match with both teams there it, it makes tennis a team sport, and I would suggest that that's what, you know, they've tried to do with some of the stuff professionally, but, but it's just pure excitement. There's nothing better to watch, and it pulls people all around the court. And when you cut the game short, when you, when you go to tiebreakers, it's over in a matter of seconds, and then it's over. And there's, there's no historical data. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry for jumping in there, but the drama is different than excitement. Drama is what you're talking about. The building intrigue of like the eighth, ninth inning of a tight baseball game is what 
they're cutting out. Is that correct? Yeah, it would it would be the equivalent of, you know, okay, a team's up by 20 in the first half. Let's make the second half 10 minutes instead of 20 minutes when you don't get to watch the team fight back and throughout that whole second half. And I I I think that's a real disappointment. But I I think it comes down to in in my position not as a coach but as a consultant I can't tell you how many towns I go through where I see courts, public courts, that 20 years ago were filled are not only empty, but there's grass, there's cracks, nobody's fixing them up. We don't have pipe pipers at the grassroots program anymore that's exciting kids and and really energizing them about the game of tennis. I'm lucky. I, I have a guy that I work with in Michigan. Um, they're They're – close to building a, a great facility there, a nonprofit organization called West Michigan Community Tennis. What a great bunch of people. But they've got this young pro. His name is Mickey Miskell, and he is a pure pie piper. This kid will go from court to court to court and just get kids excited about tennis. And his, his only ambition is to grow the game. And I feel like we, we just don't have enough of those people anymore. A lot of guys are looking to get that kid that they can sit in the stands at the U.S. Open and watch him win the U.S. Open. Well, hasn't done a lot of good because we haven't had anybody in that position in 17 years. So I, Bobby, I just don't see enough uh, Pied Pipers. Right. I want to go off of the Pied Piper thing. The program, I named it today. They always ask me to put a name up when I – you know, plan a program. I got paralysis by analysis and micromanagement won't work. I put, uh, as the sports world has become more easily organized by computers and managers instead of leaders, running the show, micromanagement is the new normal. Sophisticated systems will never inspire. But freedom and incentives will inspire and do inspire. Could you talk uh, what I have my I've voiced it very many, a lot of times, but centralized government, I would use the example of our educational system in the United States right now, how they are trying to micromanage from Washington, D.C. to local school systems in Boise, Idaho, mm. or in Timbuktu, Indiana, where I grew up, or um, – you know the the point is is that whenever central government or or someone in the center, the USTA, USTA, ITA, whenever you put, I get turned off right away. I don't want to go on a tangent here myself, but the red, orange, green. I've used pressureless balls for training for overload training to neutralize the, to to make the symmetry on the court better since 1989 or 90 when I figured out the high-tech rackets were screwing up the rally tolerance. Well, I've used it for all that time, but when they came out and said red, orange, green must be used and you must play these tournaments in order to advance because we, the USTA, knows. Oh, wait a minute. I've coached 40-some years. Are you kidding me? And an ITF guy who's wonderful, wonderful man with the ITF said to me, Chuck, and the guy was from Europe, he goes, Chuck, sounds to me like the only reason you don't like this is because you're being forced to use it. I go, I'm an American. <laughs> I'm an American. Hmm. Don't tell me to take the hill. Don't tell me how to take the hill. You want to kill my incentive? Mike, try to micromanage me. You micromanage me, and I will buck you like a wild horse. And I, I only... Hmm. Defiance comes before compliance with all strong people and all leaders. And and so, Bobby, the Pied Pipers, I'd like for you to go off here and talk about this. How do you believe we're, we're negating the – we're negating like this kid. Okay, so what will happen, this young man in Michigan, is they'll find out, hey, he's doing good – is he doing our red, orange, green? Pro? Oh, by the way, is he following USTA specs? Oh, by the way – or do all of his courts have those silly lines? Oh, by the way, is he paying, Bobby, a tournament tax on all the kids to the USTA? Oh, by the way, does that sound like socialism or communism, communist tennis? I mean, it, you know, so yeah. you want to kill incentive? I think what it does no, is it takes away one of the m most important things, Chuck, and it's creativity. 
you know. And you look back at athletics throughout the years, some of the greatest players of all time were the most creative. Larry Bird, I mean, 6'9 guy that changed the game in his own way. As an example, John McEnroe changed the game with his creativity with his racket. But when these guys go, go on the courts with young kids and they, they look at a notebook of how to do it instead of using their gut, using, you know, each kid, in my opinion, I don't know, I'm sure you can say this as well, every kid I've coached learns differently than the next one. And if you just go on strictly, this is how we're going to do it for everybody, you're going to lose a lot of kids. And that's what I've seen. Bobby, in the state of South Carolina today, as we speak, there is a teacher walkout, and a lot of teachers have walked away from the classroom. Now, it's not getting much publicity because people don't want to talk. They don't want the big news coming out, but basically teachers, of course, they need to be paid more. Of course, they they uh, want more sick days or something, but the biggest thing is that they – all teachers out there, if you're a teacher, you know that you are being forced to do the company line, and they're forced to do testing nearly every day. And guess what? Centralized big brother government is forcing this down their throat. This no child left behind was the biggest bunch of crap, you know, that ever, mm. ever was. Government top-down management telling people what to tell people incentives is what people want. An American wants to say, take that hill and let's have a race to do it. And by the way, figure out what your, not your pathway, but you have a free way, a freedom to go get it, freedom to go get it. So what is the, two questions. What's the answer? I got to go to commercial here in a second, but I want you to, to think here a second, let me just go to a quick commercial, Bobby, and then I want to ask you the question. We've got to solve the problem. We don't. We want to name it, then claim it, and then tame it. We do not want to name it, claim it, and then blame it. It's easy to blame. Unfortunately, a lot of people name it, blame it, then rearrange it. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> we we. Um, but anyhow, I will be back in about thirty forty five seconds with Coach Bobby Verdun, and we will be right back with American Tennis. And it's Coach Chuck Creasy, and folks, my book, Coaching Tennis, has been on the market for nearly 20 years, but it's one of the best-selling and the highest-selling books around the world for coaching your youngster, your player, in not just the sport of tennis, but many sports. It takes on the physical, the mental, and the emotional parts of the game. You can get this book by going to Amazon. It's Coaching Tennis, McGraw-Hill book out there. And, folks, it's been out for 20 years and it will be out for another 20 years. So go get my book now, Coaching Tennis, and I'm Coach Chuck Creasy. Go to www.chuckcreasy.net. Greatest 
sport, the greatest game ever developed, 145 years. It will be around a long time after we are gone. But, folks, we cannot have it cheapened, diluted, polluted, prostituted. We have Mr. Bobby Verdun, Coach Bobby Verdun, Bobby Verdun, one of the best. I, I love being around you. I love talking to you. Um, uh, the energy and I brainstorm forever after you put a few things out there. I'd, I'd like for you to talk a little bit now, if you could, about some of the solutions. How do we create the Pied Pipers? What do we do? How do we make the differentiation between participation, tennis, and, uh, you know, what, what, just if you were in charge, let's, let's give us some solutions, Bobby. Well, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to acknowledge the fact that whenever they put out these statistics that the game is growing, I I would respectfully disagree. I think what you have is a number of kids that are forced to put a tennis racket in their hand, but you don't see the number of kids picking up a racket on their own after they have to go through the red ball, green ball, whatever balls it is. The first thing that needs to happen is Local pros need to understand that tennis is a game that's very intricate, but it also can be a heck of a lot of fun. And I think that instructors, I mean, Coach, I've, I've sat on the sidelines for hours and watched you, Coach, and we all know you're, you're as intense as anybody, but your kids, they love, be, they love playing. They love playing for you. They love playing and learning and getting better. And you know what? Part of that process is not winning. Sometimes kids have to lose to appreciate winning. And I find when you're giving trophies all over the place for showing up, it takes away credibility in a lot of ways with kids. And, and I just think coaches need to have a forum where they can go out and, and a kid, not all the kids are going to win every day. That's okay. And not all the kids are going to want to play a certain way. That's okay, too. As long as you wind up getting to the spot you want to get to, I think the coaches have to become creative, and they have to utilize resources beyond what they're being taught how to coach the game. The best thing I've seen in a long time, Coach, was about two weeks ago, there was a rainy day, and I, I, I ran into a gym. I was outside, and there was this guy teaching tennis in a lobby of a school. The gym was being used. The auditorium was being used. He set up a bunch of chairs as nets. And these six-year-old kids were having the time of their life. That's what I'm talking about. Being creative, bringing energy, which I think is the most important part of developing uh, a program. It's the most powerful because energy can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. And he turned a negative into such a positive. I know all those kids that were playing that day, they didn't want to leave. So that's where it starts for me. You, you got to let coaches be creative and let kids fail so they can appreciate winning. Bobby, I uh, took down eight things you just said from uh, the substance there. And uh, number one was acknowledge the shortcomings where we're at in USA Tennis. I hate that they keep propping up these programs. Um, For example, the red, orange, green, they're never going to say it's a big flop of a failure. They invested millions of dollars into marketing that, selling those red, orange, green balls, forcing kids to use it. You know, last year we had had a statistic, only 41 kids in the whole state, the state of South Carolina. I'm not just talking about a square block or something, or a city. The state signed up for green ball tennis in the state of South Carolina. I mean, it's a bomb. It's awful. Now, they marketed all that, and then Bobby, on the other hand, this the universal scoring system or the universal tennis rate, the UTR, was created by a guy named Dave Powell, and Daryl Cummins up there in Virginia Beach area. Now, those guys on their own created this and marketed this. The USTA didn't want any part of it starting out, but because the idea was it was a free thing, it was out of the box, it's taken off, and now it's going to be all over the world. They sold it to some group, but the universal tennis rating was not marketed by the USTA. 
and I, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but I had, we had a meeting recently, USTA meeting in Hilton Head. There was USTA representative there, and they outright said, when you get a great idea, let's market it and make it work. I said, no, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> you know how they like me? <laughs> you know, I go, wait, no, you, if you have an idea, you work it and make it successful, then you market it. But nobody wants to buy Tang because the astronauts apparently drank it. That's, that's a clip <laughs> yeah. from when I was a child. Do you remember Tang, Bobby? Do yeah. Tang? Oh, yeah. Ast- yeah. Astronauts uh. drink Tang. And yeah. it was Kool Aid and a jar, Kool Aid powder out of a jar. But the bottom line on the thing, they said astronauts drink it. <laughs> well, we hey red orange green we've got all these great players who do it no they don't by the way no. none of the champions do it nobody wants to shoot this is the analogy basketball nobody wants to shoot at an eight foot basket with a ten foot basket there my youngster who is eight years old say and there's a basketball a ten foot and an eight foot he can make eight foot baskets pretty easily can't barely get it up there to the 10 foot. Which one does he want to shoot there, coach? We're done. <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You're right yeah. on the money. And they don't, they don't want to do kitty tennis. Kids don't want to do kitty tennis. So the bottom line, acknowledge, let's acknowledge the shark comes USTA and let's go after the sleeping giants, which is high school tennis and figure out what we're doing there to cut that. Hey, small town tennis USA. Do you know, Bobby, that, over 73% of all professional athletes come from towns under 50,000 people. I've got a program called Small Town Tennis USA. If you are a small town coach and are a small town t- lover of tennis, please call me or email me at chuckcreasy at gmail, chuckcreasy, K-R-I-E-S-E, at gmail, and I'll get back to you, but I'll tell you about how to create small town tennis USA programs. But, Bobby, the other part is the red, orange, green, it burns people out. When you make restrictions on people, why aren't our children motivated in the classroom? Well, they take the te- they test, to, they study to the test. They're, they're not motivated for learning. They're most, you, the red, no. orange, green burns people out. We need freelance fun. Kids have fun. They have to have the freedom. Win, win yes. lose, learn. But but and no participation trophies. Um, I've got more, but I, w- I would like for you to jump in there. We've got about ten fifteen minutes left. I sure don't want to miss out on stuff. So how do we create a non bureaucracy in tennis? How do we get people to go out and strike out on their own way? USTA does not like me telling people this, but break out of the pack, sleep, get out of the box, people. The USTA is not – they'll be there to help you be mediocre. But if you want excellence and you want a lot of great kids playing, you, uh, it, it, it ain't through systems. It's incentives. So what are your thoughts, Bobby? Yeah, you know, I, I think it goes back to what you said earlier. We haven't had a champion in 17 years. We haven't come close in 17 years. You know, it's almost like uh, last year. If I think Isner made it to the round of 16 at one of the tournaments, might have been the U.S. Open, and it was, you, know, you walk in to see friends and they say, hey, we actually have an American that's still playing on the, you know, the third day of the tournament. So it starts, in my opinion, when one of these young guys, like the kid I talked about in Michigan, when they start getting better results and they start beating kids that are just going through the 10 and 2 way of doing things people will jump off and follow it. I think that's what's needed right now. These kids need to, that are growing up with, with Pied Piper coaches that aren't afraid to go a different way and they start getting results, I think you're going to see other people go and do it that way and they'll start the trend. Until that happens, until coaches are brave enough to break away and do that, and, and part of that is believing in yourself as a coach. Um, you know, one of the things that, that – I, I take pride in is I love scouting reports, but at the end of the day, I, I want my kids to be able to play in a certain way and play the game a certain way that it doesn't matter what you're throwing at us, that our kids are prepared enough to battle you. Um, I just think you have to look at things 
and and add more color than black and white. And that's what I'm seeing with tennis right now. And that's why, in my opinion, it's becoming irrelevant. And it really is from a business standpoint to an entertainment standpoint. You can tell me all day long, oh, you know, tennis has grown tens of thousands of kids since 2012. Well, the reality is that over 50% of players playing consistently today are over the age of 45. They're not under the age of 18. That's a problem. Hey, Bobby, uh, I don't want to get sidetracked here a little bit, but am I right about basketball? You're a basketball coach now, but tell me about basketball in your opinion. Am I right there? I'm off the mark. Is it, are they doing, are they messing up, messed up that game? You know, it's, it's unfortunate. The game started to change when, when guys like Michael Jordan came in and were so talented, they changed the game of the way it's played. You know, now you have the big guys. You don't see many players anymore with their backs to the basket. They just made a rule change for next year for our division where the three-point line is going to go out another inch and a half, or I think it's an inch and a third. And, but they're not going to change the, the width of the key, specifically because they don't want to completely take away the use of a big man, a traditional big man. Um, so now what I see is, is my turn shots. Kids come down and they don't shoot the ball after two or three times, I saw this with the Celtics last night. A kid named Tatum was taking a my turn shot because he hadn't shot the ball in two or three possessions. It's not about we, it's about me. And it's, uh, it's something that's very prevalent, in my opinion, in the game, and it's what's turning off people from watching the NBA. And even top college teams battle this very much so. You know, I, I remember the best era, of course, was the Celtics-Lakers of the 80s. But it was the passing. You know, Larry Bird was a great scorer. But you would see him score maybe thought 18, and he would have 33, but he had eight, nine assists. The passing, the teamwork, the balance, the chemistry they had was just just amazing. But, again, um, it's it's very disappointing. It was was such an efficient game, Coach. The the scores of the games were – so I mean, you used to see on a nightly basis 130 points scored a game, 120 points scored a game, and and now the game you come down and each possession isn't you know it isn't appreciated. And what happens is you have more turnovers, becomes sloppy. It's a, it's a different game, and it's uh it's just not as efficient as it once was for sure. I you know I've all, often used the analogy of basketball, tennis. Okay, tennis is the only sport, and I I argue why no ad is so bad. On game point, if you're at 4-4, and if you win that point through hook, crook, or net court, or luck, you will have an eight-point swing. You will only need four points. The other person now needs 12. Every yeah. game that is, goes to three-all or deuce is an eight-point swing because we have the only sport where game point, okay, any point we play, if you lose the point, I win the point. So it's a two-point swing. On game point, it's an eight-point swing. That's why it screws up the game so much to play no-ad scoring. But think basketball as a basketball coach. Now, Bobby, let's say, and I'm going to give you an idea here to work when you coach your girls next year, all right? All right? Every time a team shoots and misses, the other team gets two points. That's what tennis mm. is. Do you think shot selection would be a little bit better? You know? Oh, absolutely, Coach. <laughs> oh, absolutely. In, in, absolutely. I in, mean, in without NBA, a doubt. I don't know. In NBA, I, do you find that when you watch it, do you, when you watch what, the, what they're doing with, with the game, they go into these tiebreakers, do you find that kids play not to lose more than to win? Because that's what I see. And women, it's a and horrible women feeling. Side, women, parents, if you've got a daughter out there, if you play no ad scoring, your daughter will turn into a pusher and she'll choke by moving back in the court and pushing on game point. Yeah. That's their best. Men step up and they check out. They play slap shot tennis. 
but you yeah. both are wrong on game point, but <clears throat> everyone knows it's an eight-point swing. Bobby, the cheating is unbelievable on game point <clears throat> because mm. there is a too big of an advantage to winning game point. It's an eight-point swing. So you win 6-0, well, guess what? If you had not won those three deuce points, the score is 3-3. It's an eight-point yeah. swing. It's different, and no one understands that, it, that it's, you know, so basketball, can you imagine in soccer, every time you take a shot on the goal, if you missed, the other team got one goal. Your, sh- your shot making would be a little <laughs> different. Well, in, in the oh, NBA, absolutely. people throw, throw shots away. In tennis, it makes the women push. It makes the, man, the men check out. The men check out. I want to yeah. bring something up to you here before we run out of time. So centralized government is my big problem here. You know, I've brought out that paralysis by analysis with the age of computers, I've often said that we've allowed Barney to run Mayberry. In other words, Barney is the number two guy in charge. Andy was the number one guy in charge. I have a audio that I've been trying to get help putting it up. Every time I hear something about micromanagement, I was going to play the citizens arrest, citizens arrest, citizens arrest. <laughs> from Barney. Barney Five. But Barney, I remember that. And yeah. Then, yeah. And, and I'm going to play that. And then the other part I'm going to play, I'm trying to throw these, uh, these thing in there is what we're looking for is Braveheart where he goes, freedom, freedom. <laughs> and, and oh. from Braveheart and, in tennis, we need freedom, and we do not need micromanagement. Micromanagement. Right. All right. I'd like. I got one more question here. I'd like for you to go into, and if if we could uh, get that. Okay. So you're a young young guy or young gal in college. I want you to talk about because I've run into this with my last two assistant coaches. My last assistant coach told me, Coach. Some of the worst people I know are very successful in business or something, and they can work it and they get paid for their problems. Some of the best and most competent people I know are getting hammered in the sport of tennis and coaching. And so why should I go into coaching? So could you talk about that a little bit? Those that still have a heart to give and a heart to teach and things we need people we need these pied pipers could you talk about that bobby and uh, you know your journey too there's nothing more rewarding to me now i i can talk three-dimensionally now because i'm a i'm a father of a 17 year old young lady and and a uh, 14 year old son and there's nothing more rewarding than seeing your players or your kids go further than you were able to do and being a part of that journey. And when you coach or whether you consult, I always say to people, you know, there's nothing better I'd rather experience than uh, a kid overachieving and getting that, that feeling of success because of all the work and the trust that he put in and you were part of that. And you, you can't, always judge your your coaching experiences it's a it's a long journey and you and i know we've had we've experienced great seasons we've experienced challenging seasons but there's in my opinion when you're when you're there and you're part of it as opposed to sitting on the other side of the court and watching it uh i i've gotten tenfold more of watching my kids play i had a great bunch this year as i said of women who literally coach they didn't have a bad practice all year. And this is the first year of a rebuilding season, and all of these kids came in every day, took charges during practice, stayed late, showed up early. To me, that's, that's the basis of what we're going to be going forward. And now you add skill to that, and you get the thrill. And there's nothing more thrilling than being part of a championship season where you know you've been a part of the journey guiding and coaching and taking kids further than I could go. I'd add a little bit, you know, after 60, it's really interesting what, what starts to happen, but you realize that as you get older, 
first of all, time is the most important thing, but you realize, you know, I, boy, I've been to a lot of funerals lately, but, you know, as I'm, I'm getting older and this happens, but I realize the only thing you leave really is what you leave with other people, number one, and then taking care of your family, getting educations and trying to set your family up as best you can before the good Lord takes you is, is, uh, is critical. And if you don't, if you're still chasing, you're 55, you're 60 years old and you're still chasing the same things you did when you're 25, 30, 35, boy, you better get it together because you're going to end up looking like a burnout rock star. You know, you're going to, you're going to be chasing stuff that it looks, it it really looks foolish. Uh, Years ago, I heard about the law of reciprocity is number one and the law of abundance, the law of reciprocity is says that whatever you give away to other people, you will get back tenfold, either financially or in rewarded in many, many ways. And those of you who are interested in helping other kids or teachers, we need you in the sports. The law of reciprocity is absolute truth. That's what you're talking about. <clears throat> the other thing, the law of abundance, look, there's enough stuff out there to go around for everybody. You know, so don't try to hoard the good things that happen and help each other, help people, even in the sport of tennis. The hardest thing, Bobby, is when a youngster wins or something, uh, you know, people get jealous of them, you know, and that's, I guess, mm-hmm. human nature, you know, human nature. Yeah. But um, though that's what you're talking about, you know, the reciprocities, aren't you? I mean, the law of reciprocities, I mean, um, that's, uh, you know, and, and no matter how you can that, Without being able to give away what you've gotten, uh, it, it doesn't make much sense, does it? No, not at all. And you know, I'll, I'll start with what I—I'll finish with what I started with. I—I I was never the best athlete in the room or the smartest person in the room, but what I got out of competing at some of the highest levels, I—I I just feel an urgency to give back. And I'll tell you, I've, I've been very lucky to be in part of championships and national championships and whatnot. There's nothing more rewarding. Maybe it's this stage in life, but to see kids that look in their eyes when they finally figure it out, and they finally get it, and they look at you, it's, it's just a great feeling. And I appreciate every day I can be a part of it. It's really a gift. So, Bobby, how long uh, – I, I hate that. <laughs> I didn't go to ask how old you are. If I, uh, but are you, have you got another 10 years in you to keep coaching and to keep uh, pushing youngsters? I don't know, you know. Find it, their own greatness. I'm, I'm 53, going on 21, I think my wife would tell you. But I, um, I, I take it year by year. My goal when I started the coaching journey again uh, on the field was to build back a program and and make it something that's very relevant in the school. And I think we're well on our way to doing that. And um, and also mentoring young coaches. I've got two phenomenal assistant coaches that are uh, are going to be better head coaches than I am, I'll be honest with you. And so, you know, it feels good to be there right now, and it fits into what I do as a consultant. But we just take it year by year and hope you have health and happiness and and never uh, forget about family time. And as long as it fits, I'll I'll continue to be to do it. Bobby, it couldn't be uh, said any better. I I I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show today. And let's let's do it again soon. I, I listen. I want to get up there sometime in the winter and watch you coach basketball. I want I want to see uh, see you on on that on the bench on the sideline there. You know, working. Well, I, so, I, thank you. I had a full afro before the start of last season, Coach. Now, if you look at pictures, I got nothing up there. But uh, yeah, I yeah. I would love to have you sitting next to me. I'll tell you. You ever want to come out of retirement, coach a little basketball? There's always a place for you. I listen. I still that's one of my dreams to coach basketball. High school basketball in Indiana was my dream, and uh, you know that's not the way the good Lord took me. But uh, dag on it. That was exciting stuff and, and a big part of my life. Listen, Bobby, Bobby, we're done. Thank you very, very much. I surely appreciate you being on the program today, and, and thanks. And come back on again, okay? 
Thank you so much, Coach. I appreciate it. All right. God bless you. of winning or losing every day of your life and it has very little to do with a win or loss. Go out and help that youngster right in front of you. God bless you and see you next week on American Tennis. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.